This is Soccer City, where LIU Brooklyn wins a title and ends an era. Blackbirds men's soccer coach TJ Kostecki in a moment. The place to go watch Syria, especially Napoli, supporter and journalist Ilaria Moroni introduces us to the world of Rabalta. And the season ends in Atlanta for New York City FC. Reaction from Dolme Tehran, Sean Johnson, and Alex Ring. November the 11th is going to be a date firmly embedded in LIU Brooklyn history. On Sunday at LIU Field, affectionately known as the Cage throughout the years, the LIU men's soccer team defeated Bryant 4 to nothing to win the Northeast Conference Championship and an automatic bid into the NCAA tournament. The significance beyond the triumph? It was the final game played at the cage as LIU Brooklyn and LIU Post will merge to form a Division I program that will play on Long Island in Greenvale, New York, starting in 2019. Thus, the conclusion of a program with an extremely rich history, beginning in 1933. Here are some of the names. Uh, Gio Savadese, Georgia Costa, Roger Chavez, uh, Rafael Amaya, Walter Bustamante, Richard Chinapu. The coaches, Dieter Fricken, Joe Macknick, and Arnie Ramirez, who all played for the Blackbirds as well. The current coach was named the NEC Coach of the Year prior to the start of the NEC tournament. He's in his 20th year, TJ Kostecki, who uh, joins us here on Soccer City. TJ, welcome to the program, man. Uh, Glenn, thanks for having me on. Well, and full disclosure here, my emotions closely tied to the Brooklyn campus. TJ's a great friend, and I started the women's program there in 1996. The LIU uh, ladies also headed to Long Island. Well, take us back to Sunday and uh, the emotions of the day. Uh, bittersweet, certainly uh, exhilaration and exaltation for, for winning the title and getting into the NCAAs, but still knowing it was the last game. What was it like? It was, uh, it was surreal, Glenn. Um, we, we've known for about a month that this was going to be uh, the last game that was going to be played, or, or this is the last season, I should say, at the LIU field. And uh, that was a, a, a huge motivating factor for our players and the staff to continue our season as long as possible, knowing that if we won out during the regular season, we would have the opportunity to host and to play at least one and hopefully two games, you know, semifinal and a final. So winning the regular season and moving on to the playoffs and beating FDU in the semis in overtime on a golden goal you know, gave us an opportunity to play for the championship, and uh, our team responded tremendously. Um, so proud of of how uh, how we played, and ended up winning four nil. I let's. Uh, I want to get back to the game, uh, but first, the week of the announcement. So it, it happened midweek, as I recall, and you're in the midst of the season, going towards the tail end of the regular season. So that's uh, difficult news for an adult. But how about young adults? Give us a, an idea of the reaction, not only of the men's team but the women's as well. It was uh, very difficult for them to uh, receive this information, uh, and it was. Uh, Especially when you're again 18 to to 21 years old, and you know, when you're expecting to you know play at one campus and 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 go to school at one campus, and discover that one day that you have to relocate, um, it, you know, it was certainly sad uh, for sure because uh, you know all of them are unsure of what post was all about and what the other campus looked like, and and to leave this home 
and leave their friends because they have friends on other teams. It was a, it was a challenging day for us to all of us actually, and there was a lot of counseling and dis- discussion going on to make sure that everybody knows that we're there to support and to listen to them, um, you know, to help them work this uh, next future out. Well, I got a number of notes from my former players. I'm sure you were inundated with uh, texts and emails, maybe calls. But the, the one thing that resonated with me in what I was hearing back from the uh, the young women who started the program uh, on the on the ladies' side is uh, that Brooklyn was special to them. New York City was special to them. And that was uh, one of the uh, big reasons that they attended LIU Brooklyn, the diversity factor. Did you get the same kind of feel? I did. I did. We had uh, alumni that reached out from all over the world. As you know, you know, being here in, in your time at LIU, and when I had coached with you at that time and with the men's program when you were with the women, you know, I had players from Australia, from Canada, from England, from Poland, uh, from Mexico, Finland. I mean, I think, I think we had 11 different nationalities at one point on the team. So... Uh, and Brooklyn was a draw, you know, because Brooklyn is diverse. Brooklyn is a type of place that really that welcomes and invites and attracts people from all nationalities and religions and races, and that's, I think, one of the beauties about this place. Well, tell us about Rasmus Hansen. So if we go back to the semifinals of the NEC tournament this past weekend, uh, you talked about the golden goal. Well, here's the guy. He scored nearly 40% of your goals. I don't know if you know that. I figured it out. Uh and so appropriately, I would suppose he gets the golden goal to defeat FDU. But tell us his story. He's an international. Yeah, Rasmus is is a is a really unique uh, individual and very talented. Um, we were able to uh, meet with him and, and uh, get him from Copenhagen, uh, Denmark. He was one of the top youth players in Copenhagen, and was motivated to to pursue. Uh, university study in America, and he was recruited by a lot of big schools, but Brooklyn was the draw, uh, the opportunity here to, to intern and to play on some top club teams. Uh, Rasmus, this is his final year, as you know, uh, and he's had a remarkable career. He, he's been in New York t- for two summers. He stayed and he, and he played with the Brooklyn Italians, the top NPSL team here in Brooklyn, and uh, He's interned for a, a fine uh, Wall Street firm, and uh, once he graduates, uh, he'll have opportunities to play at the next level or to go into uh, professional work right away. He's a tremendous success story already. Now, he's a senior and graduating, but you have uh, obviously a number of underclassmen, freshmen through juniors, who are a bit in limbo, as are some coaches like yourself. So what is that like right now for them? Uh, right this moment, we're focusing on West Virginia, uh, which is our next opponent on Thursday. Uh, they, Several players have come to speak to me one-on-one, and, and we've counseled them on uh, some of their opportunities and you know, to, to really be patient. And let's wait till the season is over. And for them to uh, you know, take a look at what's going on at post and to bring them to that campus to see with their own eyes and uh, then make some informed decisions w- with their own future. So at this point, we're, we're keeping things focused on our team, Glenn, um, although, of course, the guys have been thinking about their, their future. It's natural. It's, they need to be doing that. Uh, but once our season is finished, we'll have discussions with each player individually and, and discuss 
their opportunities moving forward. All right. Well, you're on to Morgantown, West Virginia. Uh, Marlon LeBlanc, he, uh, a Jersey boy like you and me, the head coach for West Virginia. Uh, how do you see this one going? Uh, New Jersey boy and a New Jersey boy that I had coached on the ODP team, by the way, as well. <laughs> I was unaware of that. Yeah, yeah, which is pretty cool. Uh, but they're, they're a good side. They're nationally ranked. They're top 20. I think they're 12th in the country right now. Yep. Um, so they're, they're, they're a top class side. Um, and the facility apparently down there is, is first class. And they're going to have a, a really exciting atmosphere. Uh, however, they're they're coming off uh, a big loss. They just lost to Akron three one at home in their championship game, and uh, from what I understand, Akron uh, really played well. So they are perhaps hopefully a little down, and we are very up right now. Um, I'm really really excited about our chances. We've hit form this past weekend, and uh, actually the end of the season we've hit form. I like our chances a lot. Uh, we haven't had a chance to look at them on film yet, which we will be doing tonight and tomorrow. But um, I like our chances. Uh, well, you t- talk about LIU, Brooklyn, and, and the metropolitan area. Uh, we've, we mentioned Savadese, who had a great career at LIU mm-hmm. uh, with the Metro Stars, Cosmos, three-time NASL champion, and he's got the Portland Timbers in the conference finals out west in Major League Soccer. And they're playing Sporting KC with Peter Vermees, who mm-hmm. played for the Metro Stars and went to Rutgers University, Jersey mm-hmm. boy from Delran. The mm-hmm. Red Bulls, who are in the Eastern Conference Final, Chris Armas, who played at Adelphi. He's mm-hmm. a New Yorker. So you've got three of the four teams involved with Metro Area Connections. Mm-hmm. There's a rich history here, isn't there? There is. There absolutely is. And you mentioned some, some phenomenal names of, in LIU soccer. I'm going to add two more if I can. Uh, one being uh, uh, Ray, Ray Klaveka. Ray uh, coached here at LIU, and he was also the coach of the earlier Cosmos, and he was Pele's coach when, when Pele played for the Cosmos, uh, which is not too shabby an honor and a privilege. And the other gentleman was Dove Marcus. Dove was the first Herman Award winner, which is given to the top player in, in college soccer. Uh, he scored 35 goals in 12 games in one season. Not too shabby either. No. Well, finally, TJ, if you could just capsulate what the, what Brooklyn has meant to you, to your athletes, and uh, what kind of um, what kind of emotions as it, as it, it came to a close in terms of the cage. You guys are still moving on, but it, it's close to ending. Uh, the emotions are are powerful. Uh, yesterday, our crowd was was enormous. We had alumni that flew in from all over the country, and once that final whistle blew and everyone stormed the field, I had a dozen more alumni that came up to me and gave me these warm hugs and and, and thank yous and and congratulations, and the pride in their eyes, and to leave this program with one final extraordinary memory is certainly something that I will cherish forever. LIU Brooklyn men's coach TJ Kostecki. TJ, good luck in Morgantown. Thank you, Glenn. On game day, you'll find Napoli supporters at 48 East 12th Street, Rabalta. It's a restaurant, old world Neapolitan pizza and appetizers in a football environment where supporters of all ages root for their team. 
All right, on Soccer City, we heard about Rabalta from a Napoli supporter and a regular at Rabalta, Ilaria Maroni, a soccer journalist for the Italian publication La Voce di New York. And she's been keen to give us a taste of the game day environment uh, for this segment. Well, welcome back, Ilaria. Hi, thank you for having me again. It's a pleasure. What did the little girl say uh, at the end? I got the Forza Napoli. Okay, she is saying Forza Napoli per sempre, which means uh, go Napoli forever. And it's actually a new version, I would say, of the hashtag that is Forza Napoli sempre, always supporting Napoli. Pretty good from her, though, eh? Yeah. (laughs) And knowing that she's from Connecticut. Uh, We're going to get to the Connecticut family in a moment, but... Let's go back to last Tuesday. So you went to the club twice, so this is great. It was a big day for Napoli and many teams in Europe, and you were there with one of the owners. Okay, I'm here at the Napoli club, Ribalta. I'm watching uh, Napoli against PSG for the Champions League, and I'm here with one of the chef and owners, Pasquale. Uh, Pasquale, my first question is, who do you love more, Napoli or your girlfriend? <laughs> Actually, Napoli, because... Uh... Because the Napoli is always there. The girlfriend who can disappear tomorrow. So that's a, <laughs> a obvious question answer. Wow. What a way to begin the interview. So what is with you Italians? So your first appearance on this show, Ilaria, you caught the Soccer City listeners a bit by surprise when you said this. Being in love with soccer is better than being in love with a person. And that was the thing because soccer is always there for you. You always have these dates with soccer games. All right. So I'm wondering uh, if you got any feedback from friends or family, anybody that might have heard the interview. Everybody believes now that I'm a sociopath. <laughs> <laughs> That what was, did you explain to them? I mean, they heard it and they laughed, but uh, they, they, they probably, if they know you, they, they know you, right? They know me. And also, I kept the joke going on. I told them that, like, uh, soccer doesn't ghost you and soccer is always there for you and doesn't talk to other people behind your back and all these other things. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, let's hear more of your interview with Chef Pasquale. And uh, please, no more discussion about his girlfriend. So you might not know, but Pasquale started working for Mayor de Blasio. And we wanted to know if Mayor de Blasio also supports Napoli. Actually, he's a big fan of Napoli. Uh, The only little problem is uh, the son, Dante, that is for Juventus. But uh, he told me that he's only for Juventus when uh, we play outside Italy. In Italy, he's still a Napoli fan, so we are okay. (laughs) Well, to support Pasquale's claim that the Mayor de Blasio is a Napoli fan, here is a tweet I dug out of the uh, February 2016 Twitter account for uh, Mayor de Blasio. He says, Napoli, a place synonymous with resilience, creativity, and toughness. We will triumph Saturday. Dante will be taught a valuable lesson in humility. By the way, do you know the result of the game a day later? Okay, I'm pretty sure that was the game in which Juventus won last minute, the last five minutes by a goal of Zaza. Napoli wow, was very leading. good. It was the 88th minute Zaza. It was 1-0. really painful. That's why. Because Napoli was leading the first round. Napoli in January was leading and it didn't happen for a long time. So we were all very excited. Higuain was scoring so many goals. 
And then this was a turnout for Napoli because after that we ended up losing the Serie A that year. So what exactly does Pasquale do for the mayor? He cooks for the mayor during the weekdays and also during the weekend, I think. And he mostly cooks dishes from the um, Napolitan cuisine. And that's how he got the job among, I believe, 50 other chefs. So it was like a contest? It was a contest. It wow. was like MasterChef. Do you know one of these cooking <laughs> shows? That's how Pasquale described them, it. The, okay. Well, next up, uh, this is a fun one that you had with uh, one of the wait staff at Ribalta. I'm here with Daniele now. He works at Ribalta and he actually supports not Napoli but Lazio. So I wanted him to tell us how does it feel to work in the Napoli club and support another team. A, a, a really bad team, by the way. Uh, first of all, that's the best team in Italy. This is my opinion. Uh, secondly, uh, it's hard to um, technically it's hard to work in this kind of environment because we have a lot of tables to open, a lot of taps. People screams out. It's the, the 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 dining room is really tiny, so it's not easy to work. But it's cool. The vibe that they create, the the atmosphere is really nice, especially if you support the team. If you don't support it, I think you like it as well. So what do you do when? Uh... Lazio plays against Napoli and you're working at Ribalta. Usually I ask for a day off so I don't have to you know attend this this game. Uh, it happened once though. It was like last year and we ended up in a fight uh, between me and uh, and, and the owners like a, you know not not a bad fight but you know they were they weren't happy to see me um, uh, celebrating one goal. Even though we lost, we scored the first goal, so they got upset, and after that, they scored like a couple of goals, and they, you know, they were like kind of mad at me. So since that day, I'm not working, I'm just taking day off, and I go to my club, which is located in the East Village. So basically, we do what they do over there. What is the name of the club, of the Lazio club? It is called Via della Pace, and it's located on the 7th Street between 1st and 2nd Avenue. You seemed so reluctant to ask him where his club was, but... but uh, Hilaria, <laughs> you've done a public service. I know. I'm just curious to see how the other Italian teams work here in New York. I don't trust ah, okay. the other Italian teams. That's why. I, but I actually went to the Roma club once for work. And I ended up winning a shirt signed by Javier Pastore in a raffle. And when I got there and I got the prize, I, they took pictures of me with this shirt. And then I told everybody, actually, I support Napoli. And everybody was shouting at me <laughs> and about to attack me. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Napoli finishes the, so at the Champions League, 1-1 draw, PSG home. Is that a good result? Everything is still open. The group is really hard. I think it's one of the hardest and the most interesting. For people that don't support Napoli, it's probably really amusing to watch but for Napoli supporters we are going to suffer until the end so you were uh, kind enough to visit Rabalta for Saturday's regular match uh, at Genoa rainstorm looked like torrential rains and your side pulled out a victory two to one so before we get to your interviews there I wanted to get your thoughts about your coach Carlo Ancelotti Big name in soccer. I really like him I think he's really classy he somehow reminds me of Patrick Vieira and he has a history of success, so I hope he brings the same uh, success to Napoli as well after so many years without winning any trophies. Well, on Saturday, Rabalta, uh, you first spoke to a married couple. Let's listen to this. An Italian boy-Jersey girl combination. 
Luke has been living in New York for five years, and since the first week that was here, he found out about Ribalta, and he's been coming ever since. So, how long have you been a Napoli supporter, Luca? Uh, I'm born a Napolitan supporter. It's uh, my life. Spending my life for the Napoli. I come here uh, in US almost five years ago, and from the first week I discovered this place because here I meet all the fans of Napoli like me, and. Uh, it's one here, I have a special guest with me, my wife. She always follow me in the in this place for see the match of Napoli. And now she become a fan like me. But Jennifer, Luca's wife, is not Italian. She's from New Jersey. So I want to hear from her as well. So I love joining Luca here. The enthusiasm is so contagious. And the food is amazing. So soccer and pizza sign me up it's amazing and the group is awesome the club is really great the space is amazing with the big screen so it's just really fun being here and having some cool fun together as well did you follow soccer before meeting Luca I did I played soccer in high school well, since I was little all through high school Montclair and um, yeah so of course my enthusiasm for the game has been from an early start. Uh, Montclair, New Jersey, very good soccer town and on the women's side the home of former U.S. women's national team player Yael Averbush but you could really hear the Italian and the Jersey right the contrast. It's a great combination. (laughs) They were fantastic. Well look you also took some time to uh, speak to a family from the north. And today at Ribalta we also have a special guest. It's a family from Connecticut. They came all the way here to New York City to support Napoli. Why is that? Yeah, because we are very uh, good fans of uh, Napoli. Um, actually, I was born in Naples, and we try to keep this culture alive, and we like to do that. I heard about this restaurant online, and I'm an Italian teacher in Connecticut, so I've been teaching my students to love um, calcio italiano and uh, la squadra di Napoli and uh, especially my kids my son's a big soccer player so this is my husband's birthday weekend so uh, we came down to celebrate do something really special so I want to hear from the kids as well when I grow up I want to play for Napoli and maybe some other teams too what is your favorite MLS team do you follow the MLS not so much, yeah. That's, we only follow Italian soccer, really. <laughs> All right, so this is how it works. Uh, Italian supporters shelter their kids from the evils of MLS. I can't. Ilaria? <laughs> I can't stop laughing. It was on stage, I swear. <laughs> but, you know, I, I will say this. It was interesting uh, during the World Cup. I went to a lot of different neighborhoods around this city, uh, visited with Colombians, uh, Brazilians, uh, Croatians, uh, the English, Polish, Mexicans, and uh, a high, high majority. And I asked all of them, you know, do you watch MLS? Do you watch New York City? And most of them said no. And they have a team right here in their city, New York City FC. So, Ilaria, what, what, what is it going to take? Why doesn't the MLS change the rule and become more similar to European leagues? Why don't you have promotion, relegation? Why don't you attract more top players by eliminating salary caps? So those are the things. So pro rel uh, kind of rubs against the way you think the game should be uh, 
should, yeah. should be played and the way leagues should operate. And what is these playoffs? I don't get that. That it, that comes from baseball and football, right? Yeah, but the playoffs are fun. No I fun think... in playoffs? You have playoffs in Europe. Yeah. Champions League has playoffs. The postseason just makes the regular season look less important, doesn't it? We're not going to change your mind, <laughs> at least not right now. Ilaria Moroni, and uh, a wonderful look inside uh, the Napoli Supporters Club, Rabalta on 48 East 12th Street near Union Square. Thank you, Ilaria. Thank you. Can, can I say one more thing? Oh, sure. Forza Napoli. Well, from Rabalta to the MLS Cup playoffs, they continue, but it will be without New York City FC. On Sunday, a match heard live here on WNYE, the boys in blue dropped a 3-1 decision at Atlanta United, losing the Eastern Conference semifinal series 4-1 on aggregate. In the opening leg, New York City lost 1-0 at Yankee Stadium. Atlanta setting up in a way that was familiar to City in both legs, but they were unable to cope. Uh, here's all-star midfielder Alex Ring, followed by head coach Dolme Turon. Even today, uh, their game plan was uh, pretty much the same like a Yankee Stadium. Sit tight, wait, and then uh, play on the counter-attack, you know. Uh, we we made it easy for them because of our own mistakes. As you have to be that honest in this series, um, but it's not like we didn't have chances, you know, to score, to capitalize where maybe they did, and that's uh, that's why they went to the next round and we didn't because um, they put their chances away. Easy as that. When you arrive in the semi-finals, it's about the goals, and you have to score the goals. And we knew we need to score, and we are not able to score. More goals, but the, the the soccer, he is soccer in a Europe is football is about mistakes. The when you arrive in the semi-finals and the final, is about uh, the the team don't concede uh, goals, don't make mistakes, has more opportunities to to play the final. At the one goal scored for New York City, central defender Maxime Cheneau off a David Villa set piece to close the gap in Atlanta. New York City trailing 2-1 at the half, 3-1 on aggregate, but City could not manage to score another goal, and the season came to a discouraging end. NYCFC goalkeeper Sean Johnson. So yeah, it's disappointing, and it's uh, you know it's, it's it's not it's not a position where you want to you want to walk away saying this is the second year in a row, and you know oh uh, you know we'll look look forward to next year and things like that. It's, it's really really still digesting um, this moment and uh, at the end of the day it just it just wasn't good enough um, over over two legs to get the job done. So it was the third consecutive season that New York City was eliminated in the Eastern Conference semifinals. A team this year that was competing for a supporters shield at midseason. New York City, they won just three of their last 13 games in all competitions. Johnson was asked if the team underachieved. 100%. I think it's it's the most frustrating thing to have such a talented group uh, to, to come up empty-handed in two games. Not just one, but two games. Um, it's, it's inexcusable um, for, for us as a, as a team to... To not go out and and, uh, and get it, get at least one result and um, in advance. We're good enough to advance. We're good enough to be playing for the Eastern Conference Finals and in a Cup Final. Um, so yeah, it's uh, definitely underperformed, um, and 
it's tough. It's tough. I mean, a lot of questions have to get answered now because of uh, because of the outcome of the past two games. But um, you know, we'll, like I said, we'll digest it. It's tough because it just uh, just happened. But we'll we'll, di- we'll go back and and look through it just to, to see what happened exactly. And the inevitable question after the final whistle: the future of Captain David Villa. The first player the club signed prior to the expansion 2015 season, who, along with Tommy McNamara, the only remaining members of that first season in the Bronx. More regarding Via on the next episode of Soccer City, where we will also feature New Jersey native and Italian international Giuseppe Rossi. What is the next step in the pro career of the former Man United, Villarreal, and Fiorentina forward? We'll find out next week. A couple of derbies to report on. Ariel Hudis joined us last week to preview the Super Classico, the Copa Libertadores final between Boca Juniors and River Plate. Well, they played to a 2-2 draw at the Chocolate Box, the home of Boca. After a one-day postponement, it rained more in a single day than the entire previous year. And the Manchester derby at the Etihad, Manchester City 3, Manchester United 1. For now, that'll do it for Soccer City, heard each Tuesday on WNYE while also living on the TuneIn app and iTunes. I'm Glenn Crooks. Have a great week of soccer.